When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to We're Not So Different, Episode 4, Medieval Comparative Religions. Uh, Before we get started, uh, I wanted to uh, quickly read a review that we got from Apple Podcasts. Um, If you leave reviews on Apple or elsewhere, we'll, uh, you know, we'll read them on here uh, because we like the nice press. I mean, I say we'll read them on here probably, you know, if they're really mean, you know, we might not. My feelings do get hurt easily. (laughs) Yeah, Luke's going to shield me from any criticism (laughs) if you say mean things. No, it's it's, it's the other way around. I'm actually a sensitive (laughs) soul. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, this is the uh, review. It's five stars from Captain Captain Case, Captain Case, something like that. I'm sorry. Uh, the captain says started listening because Doctor Yanega, or however you spell it, is nice to me on Twitter. Ended <laughs> up learning some cool stuff about the medieval era I never knew about, and I'm fond of reading about that era. Keep up the good work. Well. Captain, thank you very much, and, uh, and and Eleanor, thank you for uh, for for being nice to someone online. Hey, you know, I'm glad that one of us could do it. <laughs> Look, I want to point out that in general, I am a sweetie. You know, um, if you mm-hmm. say something I disagree with, I probably will dunk on you, just because the entire medium of Twitter is basically about dunking on people. Mm-hmm. But you know, mm-hmm. none of our listeners would ever say something stupid about history, so I wouldn't have to dunk mm-hmm. on them. Do you see how it and works? Definitely. And definitely not one of our hosts. No. Definitely. No. <laughs> hey, to be clear, I was even nice about that. That was not even a dunk. You were nice about yeah. that. I was making fun of myself. Yeah, because I, I was like. Talk to I, me after that. <laughs> I was like, because my, my thing is, I was like, although the historical premise of this joke is flawed, this is a very good joke still. So, you know. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. How Simpsons right. memes are the way to my heart. There you go. Well, there you go. That's all you need. Because um, <laughs> that's pretty much how I communicate. Um <laughs> Anyway, we are here because we are starting a uh, a run of episodes on religion in uh, the Middle Ages, and we are going to start today just by talking broadly about uh, how things were. Obviously, this is going to be a very high-level overview, so you know if we don't 
specifically <laughs> mention every you know sect of uh, Christianity that existed around you know five or six hundred uh, <laughs> AD. Just you know just. Calm down. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna get there. Uh, and then uh, in the ne- just to give you a little preview, uh, next episode we're gonna talk about uh, the hege- the hegemony of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. Uh, the sixth episode we're gonna talk about the rise of Islam. Seventh episode we're gonna talk about uh, Judaism in the Middle Ages, and then the eighth uh, episode uh, we're gonna talk about the Crusades because that's obviously one of the biggest things. Mm. You know, it's one of the biggest things that's ever happened in the history of the world, and certainly in the Middle Ages. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but first, we, uh, you know, we thought we would start by discussing the status of uh, the major world religions at the outset of the Middle Ages, which, you know, as we said before, is about 476 AD. Um, so at the time now, right now, na- nowadays, we consider there to be, you know, what, five or six great world religions. Is that right? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 It, yeah. Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, at the beginning of the Middle Ages, Islam was not a thing because it was not found until uh, was it like six thirty. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's oh. a it's a seventh century religion. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. most medieval historians, Islam is one of those religions that's near and dear to our hearts because it is mm. it's medieval, and we like that. Yay! <laughs> so. Yeah. And then, um, but at the time there were, there were other religions that, um, you know, that, that were, uh, that had a lot of followers that are basically extinct now, like, um, like Zoroastrianism and, uh, and, and and we'll talk about all of that. So, um, Eleanor, uh, I mean, I guess let's just go with the broad strokes. Mm -hmm. Christianity in the early middle ages it, where 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 did it span what are we talking about there so um in the early middle ages especially christianity is like a big mediterranean thing um and so you know it basically because what we're talking about when we talk about christianity is it's going to be uh, where the roman empire is so uh roman empire you know it has at the beginning of the middle ages slash end of uh the medieval period it's split into the eastern roman empire that we would call byzantium and the western roman empire um, and now we think about the sort of christianities there is very different we kind of like separate them between like you know, even in the later medieval period, we'll say, okay, well, the Eastern Roman Empire is practicing Orthodox Christianity, uh, and the Western Roman Empire is practicing Catholicism. But around mm-hmm. the very beginning of the medieval period, it's pretty much all the same. Um, and of course, you mm-hmm. also have Christianity into like Ethiopia. Um, it's further down in Egypt and stuff like that. And uh, they keep their practices. You know, like Coptic Christianity is very close, close, huge, mm-hmm. very closely. Uh, to what the sort of um, Christianity we'd be looking at at this point is. Um, Mm -hmm. Up in Europe, it's kind of like at the very beginning of the the period, it's like a mixed bag. So it is sort of like around the Mediterranean, certainly. Um, In most of France, like the entire Iberian Peninsula, yeah, you're pretty much good to go. You get up into like the German lands and stuff like that, and it starts getting kind of sketchy. Um, Like, it's it's sort of hit and miss in, like, England and Ireland around this time. They got a lot of monks about, but they also got people who were kind of, like, doing their own thing. 
you get up into Scandinavia or like even into like you know Rus and stuff like that. Um, the Slavs mm-hmm. are it's again a very mixed bag. You know, if what we're talking about is kind of like places that are very very close to Constantinople, mm-hmm. sure they might have been converted at this point in time, but otherwise you mm-hmm. might still see kind of like a generalized paganry going around. Um, and mm. your Scandinavians they're still they're still pretty pagan. Uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah, like it's kind of like the closer you are to the Mediterranean, the more likely it is that you're going to be Christian. Uh, the Christianity Mm -hmm. that you're going to see around there is going to be a lot more like if you wander into an Orthodox church or you wander into a Coptic church today, that's the sort of, uh, vibe that you're going to get. Um, and you know, a lot of the rules that like when we kind of think about Christianity, um, aren't so in place yet because uh, mm-hmm. there a lot of that stuff gets kind of sorted out in the medieval period you know christianity <laughs> is still a pretty new religion you mm-hmm. know and it's kind of still finding its feet but in terms of you know area that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. okay okay now um i guess i guess i should ask uh, when you say paganism you mean um just the broad practice of worshiping uh like nature and ancestor worship yeah like ancestor worship nature worship so uh, oftentimes Mm. a lot Mm -hmm. of what we will what we'll refer to you know i kind of use the term pagan because that's what medieval people use um of course when medieval people are writing about it it's like they just like medieval people when they're writing about it love to make it be like oh yeah we're talking about roman gods or we're talking about greek gods but Mm -hmm. you know we might Mm -hmm. now use the term animist for example yeah. Uh, so okay, you know, like okay. it, maybe you're worshiping tree spirits. You know, obviously Norse people are worshiping the Norse gods. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're very complex. Um, you know, Celtic, you mm-hmm. know, mythologies and that sort of a thing, and that's all going on. Um, but you know, it, it might be like you know, household deities, um, mm-hmm. relations, all of that sort of a thing. So really, a real diversity of religion and practice there, um, mm-hmm. kind of across uh, Europe at that during this period it kind of all gets mopped up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now how long or i guess when when would we say or when when, when was it that uh, the popes really and we're obviously going to talk about this a lot next episode but when was it that the popes really rose to power in the middle ages like like real you know the power that we might associate with later so, so with the later church yeah like it takes a while that's the thing mm, is that um, mm. popes are really invested at this period of time and of course we'll talk about this later um at this point mm-hmm. popes are really desperate to let you know that they're very important and they spend a bunch of time being like <laughs> i'm not just the bishop of rome no i'm the important guy i'm the vicar of christ Me. and everybody's like no one cares, Nobody cares. that's Vicar of Christ, get a better title, you weird. No. Yeah, it's like you know, basically at this point in time, um, yeah. they, they like the the Bishop of Rome is as important as the Bishop of Antioch is as important as like you know probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably the most important bishop that you're going to meet is going to be of of Constantinople at this point in time. Let's be real. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't have the same cachet, but they spend a bunch of time writing books in this period that allow them mm-hmm. a few hundred years later to be like, oh yeah, they were always important. And the answer to this is that they really kind of take off in terms of serious power in what we'd call the high medieval period um and in particular we're talking about um one of the big guys i mean one of the real major guys is your your pope innocent the third uh he is um in the 12th century and he 
sorry, not 12th century, 11th century, I believe. 11th century, yeah, mm-hmm. wrong, mm-hmm. sorry, wrong, wrong. Uh, 11th century. <laughs> and uh, he is the one who really kind of changes the church into a more specific legal entity. Uh, so he really mm. massively expands canon law and all of the legal stuff that the church can do. And that is one of the things that makes a really big difference. But there's a lot of um, attempts at, you know, mm-hmm. a coalescing power up to this point. But at the beginning, like, the Pope is not a thing. The church mm. is powerful in that, you know, Christians are Christians and they're interested in doing the right thing. But, um, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately, you know, the emperor of Constantinople is uh, what you... It's uh, what they're practicing in Constantinople is what we call Caesaropapism, which is a great uh, term. Mm. And so he is kind of the leader of uh, the church over there. Uh, so, mm. you know, like, you want to go talk to someone about Christ, you can go, you know, talk to any number of Constantines about <laughs> the subject. So at this point in time, Christianity is just, it's not what we think of when we think of mm-hmm. Christianity now. Like the early medieval period, no, no, no. Uh, but the, what they're doing is they're spending a lot of time sort of writing the rules, thinking about mm. what the laws are going to be, and kind of getting that exactly in place so that later on they can kind of make the big power moves that they make. Right, right. And, okay, so that makes sense. So Christianity was flourishing, but definitely didn't have the power that we're going to see uh, <laughs> see in the near future, or in the future. So so after after Christianity, uh, obviously it's, uh, you know, the, the religion it spawned from, uh, Judaism. Oh, gee! Was, <laughs> yeah, was, uh, were, were Jews uh, being persecuted all throughout the Middle Ages, or did that wax and wane, or, you know? Yeah, it kind of, like, waxes and wanes. So um, Judaism has this, you know, really specific... Uh, especially within Europe, um, it, it, it's it's always kind of you know what we call problematic because it's not the same. Mm. For example, um, it, Muslim people are, as we'll talk about later, are much more chill about other like about Christians and uh, Jews. The sorry, mm-hmm. Jewish people, uh, they always try to kind of like um, allow them to hang out because a they want taxes from them, and b they, mm-hmm. there's a whole thing about the respect for people of the book. For Christians, Mm -hmm. there's a much more antagonistic relationship with Jewish people because they're like, eh, you didn't accept Christ, so we don't like you, eh. And and there is also a big thing (laughs) for medieval Christians, especially at this time, right? Where, like, Romans don't want to see, like, Rome as, like, the bad guy. So in the mm. kind of like the the story of the crucifixion of Christ, what you end up seeing is that they're like, the bad guy was Jewish people who said that Pontius Pilate should kill him and it wasn't Romans, mm. you know. So like uh, there is there is this kind of like um, antipathy towards uh, Jewish people that Christians carry around with them. Um, this is also... Is that where... I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that where that... Um, is that where that idea comes from? That the... the, the uh, the idea that uh, is historically been used in a very anti-Semitic way that uh, Jews were almost so or were solely responsible for the crucifixion of Christ. Is that is is that where that came from? Yeah, I mean, that... I would say that that is that's like a huge part of it is that there mm. is this okay. there is a, a wish, a, you know, a big way in the medieval period that you justify your own power is by linking yourself to Rome. And, um, you know, what the way that people say, okay, well, you can tell that, you know, I deserve to be powerful is that I am this obvious um, successor 
to the Roman state, which we all agree was very good and nice. And if we all agree that it's very good and nice, <laughs> we don't want to talk about the whole uh, killing Christ thing. Um, of course, there's exceptions to this. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a way that you get a lot of saints is that, like, especially the women saints, it'll be like, oh, she was supposed to marry a pagan Roman guy, and then she didn't want to, and then luckily God killed her instead, and now she's a martyr. So, like, they 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 will use they love kind of like the early Christian saints who were like. Uh, tortured by uh, Romans that's okay ah. and then Rome can be the aggressor but within that it's specifically tied to Rome's paganism but they don't mm. want to think about Rome especially as kind of like an imperial um, as an imperial aggressor they don't want to tie that mm-hmm. to to the death of Christ because you know they themselves as we'll talk about in the Crusades episode spend a lot of time attempting to take over the Middle East and so they want to be like <laughs> no this is the thing that that Romans do eh, you know so mm-hmm. it's um it's like one of a series of factors at play there but I would say it's certainly a factor at play there's mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. a really weird relationship with Rome on the part of Christians and uh you know yeah they want they want to blame Jewish people for killing Christ for you know reasons you know probably know just 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 some casual anti-semitism which is very much around the shop um Mm -hmm. and you know part of that is we're also in the middle of the jewish diaspora at this point in time Mm -hmm. so you know we've got a lot of uh, jewish communities arriving in europe um in order to make nice food and (laughs) hang out and make the place (laughs) more diverse which is great um and uh you know uh people the the europeans are just kind of dicks about it you know, mm-hmm. um, as, mm-hmm. as they famously are about many things. Um, and it's a really, especially in a part a society that kind of like conceives it itself as being particularly Christian. That's the way that it organizes itself is to say we're a Christian versus everyone else. When you have mm-hmm. um, a number of people with a different religion and a different religion that you perceive to have like tortured, you know, your guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and also to be like, very obstinately not admitting that your guy is real like mm-hmm. that 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 um leads to some really um horrific uh mm-hmm. scenes mm-hmm. um which i'm sure we'll talk about more in the judaism episode i mean what i always say about this is you know obviously the treatment of jewish people in the medieval period is beyond the pale it's absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. and there are real horrors that are committed but um i would still tell you that the worst thing that a bunch of you know nominal christians ever did to jewish people is the holocaust <laughs> and i just want to be really clear on that like the yeah. worst persecution yeah. of jewish people that's ever happened happened super recently so i mean let's let's absolutely talk shit about medieval mm-hmm. people for their treatment of jewish people but let's keep it under our hats that like modern people were sort of worse about it because they were a lot more yeah. focused yeah, that that we've that uh, we've we've achieved religious toleration, or what we call religious toleration, in some sense, obviously, still does not apply to <laughs> yeah. uh, the capital O other that we that you know that we not we as us, but we as humans oftentimes perceive in our midst midst and this when when we're talking about stuff that like you know okay we've we've changed since medieval times and we haven't changed really, really, unfortunately, one of the things that has not changed is how awfully we treat Jewish people. I just, like just from then to now, just, it blows my mind sometimes actually. Um, you know, how little has changed in that regard. Um, and yeah. it's really, uh, it's, you know, it's a real indictment 
of our culture, uh, frankly. And I, I have no idea why mm -hmm. and, and how, but you know, that's why it's really important to talk about because if we don't face this stuff, we're never going to get any better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, moving, moving on, uh, from that. And again, we're, we're going to uh, come back and do a whole episode on Judaism in the middle ages, but, but moving on right now, um, there was Buddhism, which, uh, at the time, according to the limited research that I've done, it remained a major religion in China, uh, some parts of India, Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. Um, and it arrived in Tibet, where uh, we are very familiar with it, at least in Western perceptions. Uh, it, it arrived there in the Middle Ages. Yeah. So is that, was there... Uh, was there any chance of Buddhism or was there, was there ever any action where Buddhism spread even further uh, to the West? Like, you know, possibly getting outside of, uh, of China and all that, or was it, was it mostly just confined to Eastern Asia? Well, it does move along, especially uh, when, you know, when some of the Khanates get particularly frisky, mm -hmm. we do have some <laughs> Buddhism kind of, uh, yes, yeah, yes. Move, move East with them, you know, at Temujin, a uh, shout out to a real one was a Buddhist, um, didn't always mm -hmm. act like it, but there it is. Um, and one of the cool things about the way the Khanates worked and functioned um, was they were really big on everyone being able to have their own religion and practice whatever mm. religion it was they had. So in the kind of settlements that they would set up, they would always make sure that everybody um, had their own religious house represented there. So Buddhism would kind of like move along with um, the Khanates. And if you wanted to, you know, say you want to like raise, raise up in the ranks um, of you know, one of, one of the hordes, um, and you're from another, mm -hmm. you're from another people, like, yeah, a good way to do that is to convert to, to Buddhism. Um, so it, it does kind of move, uh, west with them, but, um, you know, we don't see huge and wholesale conversion a lot of the time, but, um, that's often also because the places that they kind of traditionally move into, um, you know, mm -hmm. what we would kind of, uh, call like, you know, like the stands, like your Kazakhstan, your Kyrgyzstan, mm -hmm. your Turkmenistan, mm -hmm. um, they do become, um, Muslim fairly early on as well. And some mm -hmm. of the, and some of the Khanates are, are Muslim as well. So it's like, it really mm -hmm. depends on what kind of flavor uh, of Khan you've got going there because uh, <laughs> there's, there's some that are uh, Buddhist and there's some that are Muslim and it all, it all depends, you know, um, on, <laughs> on what's going on there. But that's all completely acceptable within uh, that mm -hmm. milieu because it's, they're like, yeah, I don't know. You do you. They're, they're much more, um, they're much more about allowing people to make those sort of decisions. Um, Interestingly, um, in this period, like when we see Buddhism kind of moving around um, and into India and into Japan, sort of the hallmarks of Buddhism, both in um, India, I'm oh, sorry, not in India, uh, sorry, in Tibet and Japan, um, are that they sort of coexist to a certain extent along with uh, local uh, deities and mm. that sort of a thing. So um, oftentimes within Vajrayana Buddhism, you know, you see very specific uh, practices that are uh, more focused um, on uh, the connection between, um, you know, a teacher and, uh, and students. But you also mm -hmm. see a lot of the pantheon there. So like you have a lot of gods um, and, and that sort mm. of thing and kind of belief in demons. Uh, that's also really uh, I mean, that's that can be true uh, sort of across um, any mm -hmm. any uh, of the flavors of Buddhism. Um, less so in Theravada and the types that we see kind of mm. um, more southeast, but it's still there. Uh, and then that's also certainly true of Japan, because in Japan, uh, Buddhism kind of coexists alongside Shintoism. Um, mm -hmm. But Japan also has several flavors of its own 
uh, Buddhism that it comes up with at this time. Like there's Pure Land Buddhism, there's stuff like that. So um, Buddhism in the medieval period is very interesting because it's very malleable. And depending on where you are, people really kind of um, move it around. Um, and they do find as, you know, a kind of philosophy mm. that has a religion attached to it. It also works really mm -hmm. well with their extant religion, um, which is kind of like why there's a lot of uptake about it too, because it's like, you don't need to, like, don't worry, you can still go to the Shinto temple. It's not going to be a problem. Like that's, you mm -hmm. can keep that going, but also have you considered this as well? And so um, it, it does super, super well uh, in, and I mean, that's also, you know, true within China, like Confucianism is still kind of a, uh, you know, popping along aside uh, along mm -hmm. with it mm -hmm. but it, it's uh it's uh, one of those really interesting kind of medieval stories is watching all the different kinds of buddhism that uh crop up and i'm i'm really into that i, I love watching mm -hmm. different flavors appear it's very good <laughs> there you go uh, and next uh after that is is hinduism which um uh became uh, much more prevalent in the Middle Ages, it started to take over uh, large swaths of India um, and then spread into Southeast Asia as well. Burma, Thailand, Cambodia, Indonesia. You had the, um, uh, I believe, the Khmer, uh, or is it Khmer, Khmer, I think it's Khmer Empire yeah. in, in Cambodia uh, came up uh, during the Middle Ages and was. Uh, I believe they switched between Hindu and Buddhist, Hindu and Buddhist worship back and forth a couple of times. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, Hinduism maintains its sense. It's one of the, you know, the big world religions. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, we've got several really important kind of uh, empires that are that where, you know, that's, that's their one. They're, they're going with uh, Hinduism. Um, and, <laughs> it's quite interesting because, you know, on the subcontinent, you know, you do have a lot of Buddhism and indeed that's where, Buddhism is born, but Hinduism mm -hmm. really kind of takes over um, uh, for, to a large extent there. Um, and it is, you know, notably one of the cool ones. You know, we love, we love a little bit of Hinduism, don't we? Uh, <laughs> I mean, not so great when you, like, tie it up with kind of like, you know, fascist nationalism as we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I just, I don't mm -hmm. think that's Hinduism's fault. That's not, that's not how I see it. It's not how I see it. So, um, but yeah. It seems... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, it seems that uh, whenever we start tying uh, um, religion up with with national identity and or and or uh, you know imperialism, it, it seems to be it seems to cause problems. Seems like things you know, get maybe bad. that's something we could learn from. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, but um, in in this period, we do see a real spread of um, Hinduism, especially you know this is why you know uh, Bali, for example. Is Hindu, mm. you know, is uh, within this period, and you will see a lot of stuff within Indonesia, um, and yeah, it uh, it crops up, and I think that's one of the things I, I really dig about Hinduism is that like you'll be like, oh, I forgot, you know, and it's it's nice to see it, <laughs> you know, when it where exactly. where it shows up. Exactly. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then uh, the last, um, I guess, of the major religions in the at the beginning of the Middle Ages is... Uh, a personal favorite of mine because, uh, you know, I just get interested in random things. Zoroastrianism, yes. which, um, uh, Though though we don't know it as well today, it was the state religion of the ancient Persian empires for more than a thousand years, the Achaemenid and uh, Sasanid empires. And if I screwed up those names, you can tell me, but I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I can only do so much with this southern drawl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... And actually, uh, there are still about uh, between 100 and 200,000 uh, worshippers of Zoroastrianism uh, today. And it celebrate actually celebrated its official 3,000th birthday recently in 2003. So, I mean, it has been around for a very, yeah. very long time. And she's an old, just, we, we love it. We love to see Zoroastrianism, yeah. <laughs> frankly. And like, yeah, the Sasanians and well, the Sassanids, um, like the Sasanian Empire and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Massively important, especially in the um, earlier medieval period. They're constantly getting into it with the Eastern Roman Empire, aka Byzantium. They're mm-hmm. just always fighting each other, and it's it's sometimes difficult to remember that what we're talking about is Zoroastrians because we kind of like immediately mm-hmm. go, oh yeah, problems in, with the Middle East and like going back and forth between uh, Byzantium and and here. Oh, that'll be mm-hmm. that's because um, like uh, of the whole Islam Christianity thing. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, no, it's mm-hmm. a Zoroastrianism. Um, and it is basically, you know, a, a lot, especially in the kind of like Northern Middle East. And I think it kind of is up as well into like, so it's certainly like the Persians are doing it. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. around in the stands and stuff, you might, you might find it, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, super old. Um, they have a hell of a time anymore. People are rather mean to Zoroastrians. Um, that's, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, it was, for, from what I can tell, they were apparently pretty mean to them in the Middle Ages, too, yes. because Zoroastrianism <laughs> was uh, ruthlessly crushed by um, by Islam is, is, is yeah. after Islam formed. Is that, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the, the big things about um, Islam, and, you know, obviously we'll talk about this more in our more specific Islam uh, episode, um, is that Islam is super... Uh, super great at kind of um, uptake. And one of the reasons why is that, you know, around this point in time, people, it's really disparate kind of um, on, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the Sasanian Empire and stuff like that. You know, you have a lot of kind of like more individualized tribes. you got a lot of people mm-hmm. who sort of have their own gods doing their own things. And like, basically, um, the rise of Islam, it pers- precipitates a way of all these people kind of coming together um and they Mm. do see themselves as this specific thing of going after uh the sasanian empire because like they they want they want persia you know Mm -hmm. um, because persia's pretty sweet pretty sweet deal up there uh (laughs) don't know if you heard that but they have nice things um and so everyone kind of like wants to control that and it is sort of seen as like oh well you're gonna have to get rid of these zoroastrians you're gonna have to muck that right Mm. out in order to kind of make do and and they are you know what before when i was like oh islam's really chill about people of the book well zoroastrians are not people of the book you know <laughs> yeah. zoroastrians are not worshiping you know the one god 
Um, you know, and you can maybe make excuses for Jewish people or Christians, you know, because, well, at least it's sort of like the right ballpark, but Zoroastrians, you Mm -hmm. can't. Um, so it is much more, it's like cracked down on also because it's sort of Mm -hmm. like seen as, well, if we don't do this, then there might be problems like within the palace, that sort of a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't want any intrigues kind of like going back through the old families and that sort of a thing. So Mm -hmm. there are sort of specifics behind why Zoroastrianism gets, a bad shape yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, it seems obviously they are not the same. I mean, it, I'm not saying that, but it seems that Zoroastrianism and what we would largely uh, define as paganism uh, sort of suffered from the same uh, fate in one respect because they were um, they were more uh, like stratified and they didn't have uh, a very centralized um a very centralized system so you know they, these people you know they when a large uh, religion came in to unseat them such as christianity and islam it was much easier to do that because they couldn't be like all right we're going to get all the pagans together yeah. and we're all going to fight because pay, because first of all they didn't all call themselves pagans and second of all like the people who worship the Norse gods are not the same people who worship the uh, old German gods, yeah. you know, Irish, yeah. British, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is that fair to say? Or is yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah, like, how are you going to, there's no such thing, like, even if we're just talking about, like, you know, the Norse pantheon, for example, uh, mm-hmm. famously, all the dudes following the North Panthe- Norse pantheon, not necessarily getting along with each other. You know, like, uh, and they're just kind of <laughs> yeah, like, well, exactly. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, how are you going to unite, like, you know, some Danes with, mm-hmm. you know, the Swedes when, you know, um, so you can't really, there's no real grounds to, 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 to do that. And um, there is, of course, resistance, for example, to Christianizing or Muslimizing and, and that sort of thing mm-hmm. within there. And people will stand kind of military revolt. You know, there's no shortage, of, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the medieval period, you know, like Christian saints absolutely love to get killed for trying to convert a mm-hmm. pagan. They will go and like <laughs> intentionally go insult someone like, you know, one mm-hmm. of the Czech saints, uh, St. Adalbert, he gets got by the Pomeranians. He goes up to the Pomeranian coast and he's like, you like, re- he's gunning for it. He's like, please kill me. <laughs> like, I want this so bad, you know? Um, and then eventually... I want to embrace my God in heaven. I just, oh, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, for a while, it's interesting because it's like, there is almost, um, at least on the part of Christians, attempts to provoke violence. Um, mm, and then, mm. you know, and then it also gives you an excuse if then, you know, the quote-unquote pagans kill, you know, mm. your bishop or whatever, then you've got an excuse to march in there and go, oh, hey, what's all mm-hmm. this then? You know, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, let loose on it. But it is also, yeah. you know, it, it's not something that happens all at once. It's really incremental. So, you know, when I'm mm-hmm. talking about, like, the attempts to convert these Pomeranians, we're talking about the ninth century. So, like, it's, it's some mm. time hence, yeah. you know, uh, from this. And, you know, the, the Czechs had just basically got Christianized, like, 70 years before that. It was also, like, you know, coming really coming mm. through. Um, and it takes mm-hmm. a while to get up in Scandinavia, which is interesting. Um, one of the reasons why the Norse sagas are so fun, for example, um, like the Icelandic, <laughs> the Icelandic sagas. I mean, I like it because mm-hmm. of all the sex and monsters, but, you know, I'm basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the reasons why it's really fun is that you kind of see, like, the process of a society Christianizing. So even when they are Christians, mm-hmm. you'll just have, like, you know, Thor will just show up. And be like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they're, they're, they're praying to Jesus, but there's Thor. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's still these two things uh, yeah. sitting side by side. Well, that, 
I mean, I, I remember reading or hearing something, and it obviously may not be correct, that uh, one of the ways that Christianity was able to get into uh, um, the Norse lands so easily was that um, Odin was also in some ways crucified on a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they were able to kind of, you know, smash those two things together and be like, look, this you know, like Odin. You love that. You yeah. love three days. And, you know, yeah, so basically yeah. Um, uh, Odin hangs from the Ysergul, the, the, the world tree. Yeah. I probably said that wrong. I don't care, just to be clear. <laughs> um, he hangs from the world tree because he wants the knowledge of runes. And, like, there's mm-hmm, this big mm-hmm. thing within Norse mythology where it's like, anytime you want knowledge, you're going to have to suffer for a while. So he hangs from the tree for three days. And then when he wakes up, mm-hmm. he's got uh, the knowledge of runes. Uh, which is cool. And then they were like, you know how you love three days? Christianity has three days. And also, <laughs> you know, like, we, it's got killing guys. So, you know, there is, yeah. like, that about it. Um, and, you know, also, the, it, it is kind of, like, you know, similar. In that it's like you've got your big daddy god. And, like, you know, Christianity mm-hmm, is nothing mm-hmm. if not a big daddy god religion. So, you know. <laughs> and then basically with the Christianization process, what you're always kind of aiming at is getting um, leaders Christianized. And then mm-hmm, if, when other mm-hmm. people want to become influential, then they need to convert as well. And like, that's just sort of the, the major means by which mm. it happens. Of course, um, especially in this period that we're talking about uh, of like the very early medieval period, you've got a lot of different flavors of Christianity as well, because there's the whole Aryan heresy, for example. But uh, mm-hmm. we will talk about that, I think, more in our more specific episode, because I got some things mm-hmm. to say about Aryans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, I will. I will try to also find something to say about Aryans, um, <laughs> and I and I'll try not to confuse them for all of the other the Aryans, Aryans. Yeah, yeah. Aryan yeah. heresy. That's the one you want. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so obviously we we've, we've covered those, and then in early six in the early six hundreds, uh, the seventh century, I guess I should say it if I don't want to sound uh, if I if I want to sound uh, academic, in the early seventh century, uh, Islam was founded by uh, the Prophet Muhammad and uh, is at, at least as we understand it now, the last of the major religions to come about. Mm-hmm. And from there it basically just spread like wildfire. Is that about Ooh, right? child, it just took off. It's crazy. Uh, people, people mm-hmm. be loving, uh, you know, the one true religion. Uh, they really <laughs> yeah, do. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it was absolutely, you know, I'm very excited to talk more about this in the week that we talk about Islam, but um, it mm-hmm. basically just cripples the Eastern Roman Empire because they're like, yeah, you know, your tax base, that's gone. <laughs> you know, it just kind of like sweeps <laughs> basically, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. And then a hundred years later, it controls basically everything from, you know, the Persian Gulf all the way over to Spain. It's madness, you know, and that's where the majority of like the world population, well, world population, where the majority of kind of like, you know, the Mediterranean population lives is North Africa. Like that's where everybody's Mm -hmm. taxation comes Mm -hmm. from. And so it also, they like take over this immensely rich and powerful part of of the world. And they're all like, Mm -hmm. bam, got the keys, got the money, got everything. And then everyone is all like, they seem to be having fun. And like more and more people join, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, uh, it's massively popular. Uh, There are some really good uh, military leaders within it. And basically, Mm -hmm. it affords you uh, a pretty pretty nice life uh, within the Islamic kingdoms. I mean, I always say, and and we'll get into this more specifically, that in the medieval period, Islam is very much the party religion. 
And it's like, that's, mm, that's sort of the mm. one you want to be on board with. They, they're the ones having all the fun. Christians are spending all this time being like, no, you're bad and this is bad and you should feel bad. And, you know, Muslims are like, I did a lot of hash. And like, that's basically it. Like, so, you know, it's, there you it's go. great. Yeah. There you go. Well, so, okay. So now that we've kind of uh, established that broadly, we, uh, I, I think it, I think it's probably a good idea for, for the, for the listeners and for me as well um, to, to, to discuss that how our midi how our understandings of religion nowadays are completely and totally different than the um than they were in the middle ages because we hadn't really achieved the era of what we call quote-unquote religious toleration Mm. which many people think came about from the treaty of westphalia which was in like the 1630s 1640s is that right yeah yeah and so basically after that the treaty of westphalia uh said that you know the uh it established um tolerate religious toleration to a certain extent in uh much of europe between calvinism lutheranism and and catholicism um and but but and and today we understand that because you know we don't we, we don't go to war or we say we don't go to war, you know, to, to wipe out another religion. We're going, you know, to war. We, we dress it up in different language. We're going to do democracy or, or whatever. So mm-hmm. how is their, how is their understanding different than ours? And were they always at war? Like were the, were the Muslims always fighting the Christians Were you know, is that how it worked? Or? I mean, it's, it's a really, that's a great question because you know, we tend to always focus on war, you know, like when we tell the story of history, one of the big things mm-hmm, that we do is mm-hmm. we're like, oh, yeah, well, when we say history, that's like saying this war happened and then that war happened and then that. So, <laughs> you know, part yeah. of the issue is, is the way that we tell a narrative is it's always focused on, you know, military stuff just because uh, old white guys do be controlling history and uh, they, they love mm-hmm. they love a good war. So they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is that there's certainly a lot of conflicts and they usually, you know, in there often between, you know, one particular religion and another, but, you know, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily about religion. So for example, the multiple conflicts mm. that you will have against, um, you know, Byzantium and, you mm-hmm. know, whatever flavor of like, you know, the Umid Caliphate is is about it's not like sure there's a religious aspect to it but it's more about control of the eastern mediterranean which is you know really quite nice now you can dress that up and say like oh yeah and also there is this there is this religious aspect and i'm not saying i'm not here to tell you that the religious aspect isn't there but i also don't Mm -hmm. think that any two empires no matter what wouldn't be at each other's throats about this like the sassanids Mm -hmm. were still fighting against the romans in this period, like when before before the Romans, you know, Christianized, you know, the Sassanids mm-hmm. are fighting mm-hmm. them. So, like, I'm pretty sure that's an imperial thing. <laughs> it's not necessarily, you know, <laughs> like once the you know the Sassanids uh, turn into Muslims and they've just become you know Persians. You know, it's not like it's it's not as though. Well, no, I, I suppose they are still the Sassanids for a while. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. Um, so, <laughs> that, it's like it, the the point is, they were always at war, and it's like now you've got a mm-hmm. new excuse, which is this religion thing, right? Um, right. And then it really kind of depends on where we're talking about, too, because, for example, like in Iberia is this really great and interesting uh, medieval example because you've got tons of Jewish people, tons of uh, Muslims, and you've got tons of Christians living in this area. Now, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. also a lot of fighting. 
Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. There's a lot of fighting, you know, there's a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, basically when, um, Islam comes to the Iberian Peninsula, um, the Visigoths who have been living there kind of retreat. And uh, so for example, you have the uh, creation of what mm. we call a rump state, real term, a rump state, mm -hmm. um, in like Astorias is, it becomes like a, mm -hmm. a one little Christian bit. And then the Christians are always like trying to get, you know, their land, what they see as their rightful land back. That's called the Reconquista. You know, like they want a, the reconquest of the Iberian mm -hmm. Peninsula. And they're always, there's always some skirmishes back and forth. But there are plenty of people who are Christians or Jewish living under, you know, Muslim rule in, you know, Andalusia. Like, you know, people, people mm -hmm. just really do be hanging in Granada and like having a nice mm -hmm. time. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's perfectly plausible and possible, although there is fighting back and forth. But again, you know, that fighting can just as easily be interpreted as like, well, you know, the Christian kings want to have, you know, mm -hmm. they, they want a bigger kingdom. You know, and you'll see, you know, famous people like, for example, El Cid uh, at this point, uh, who you may or may not have heard of. Um, and like El Cid sometimes fights for Muslim people and sometimes fights for Christian people. And he just goes about it. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, where am I going to get paid? You know, and like he's this big celebrated exactly. military guy. So there is a lot of fighting back and forth. But that seems to me more about kind of like, well, who controls what? But there is a religious flavor and the religious flavor sort of allows you to do that. Because, like, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be, for example, like, not fighting other Christians. Like, of course, other Christians do be fighting each other on the regular. But in theory, you're supposed to be under kind of like, you know, the the Pax Christianorums or like the, the, the peace mm. of Christians. And you're supposed to not, you know, fight with your neighbors for no reason. You kind of a lot of the time are supposed to get like the sign off from the Pope to have a war. Doesn't always work out. <laughs> you know, that sort of, you know. So it, it, mm -hmm. within these groups, you'll see as much fighting as otherwise, you know, as you know, I'm saying earlier about like our boy Temujin, you know, mm -hmm. the reason why he, you know, took over the largest landmass the world has ever seen had, didn't have to do with the fact that he was a Buddhist, you know, it was just more to do mm -hmm. with the fact that that's what his culture was, you know, and they, and they were quite into that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that kind of like culturally, we are, we're still, as a society, pretty violent. We like to have a bit of a war. Oh, yeah. Um, and what people like is to have an excuse for it. And when you are mm -hmm. really religious, you're going to then, like, reach into your bag of excuses and you'll be like, ah, bang, here's my religious excuse like, to get this going. <laughs> um, you know, you'll take whatever you can get. But there are plenty of places like Sicily, like Spain, um, even, you know, really in, in like Jerusalem, places like that, you'll have a lot of different flavors of people living and getting along just fine. It's more when you mm. have high level people involved and they're going to make it violent. And it's about, you know, accruing mm -hmm. power and money really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I want to stress that I agree with that. If you couldn't tell my uh, <laughs> skepticism of quote unquote religious, the age of religious toleration is, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, there's just a lot we're, of toleration. We, just toleration. We're toleration. we're very tolerate. We're very tolerant of other Christian religions, so usually. But yeah. <laughs> after that, eh, not so much. Yeah, yeah. it mm. it sort of breaks down after yeah, that. Pretty quickly. Yeah, so pretty quickly. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So basically, I, I think I think what we're trying to say is that you know the. 
the the world was much different mm-hmm. back then and their conceptions of religion their conceptions and understandings of god and how the world worked and everything were are very very foreign and different to us because most people nowadays don't assume that because they suffered a flood or something that means that god is mad at them um but you know people in the middle ages did and that's not making fun of them that was yeah. they they didn't have you know, the tools and things to understand science and history that we do. And we still waste those tools all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's something where, yes, the, they fought and, uh, you know, these, these religions fought and they came about. And obviously we're going to talk about it in the crusades. They fought a lot and they fought each other a lot too. Um, you know, so it's, it was just, it was different in some ways, but it was the same in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that's what we're trying to get across. And before we close out this episode, I did have one final Mm -hmm. question that is close to my black cold heart. (laughs) Were there any atheists at this time? And by atheists, I mean, people who completely rejected the concept of a God, a creator, a, you know, a, a, uh, an overarching deity power in the universe, because obviously there were, you know, people who got disenchanted with every religion because that's always happened. But was that something that, that, that existed back then? I mean, the short answer, not really. I mean, <laughs> it might've, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I can't, yeah. uh, I can't really go track these people down. Um, but you know, certainly, <laughs> certainly not atheism in the way that, you know, we see it now because atheism, Mm -hmm. the way that we do it now is that almost, it's almost like in opposition to religion, right? Mm -hmm. The way Mm -hmm. that a lot Mm -hmm. of atheists conceive themselves is, is just like, no, uh, this is specifically tied to, um, you know, understandings of science, um, understanding, you know, uh, (laughs) like a a theoretically, um, completely Mm -hmm. intellectually driven understanding of the universe. Um, and that's just not the way that medieval people tend to think, you know, at least everything that, you know, we've got a hold of in terms of sources from them. They do not see, um, for example, the pursuit Mm -hmm. of knowledge as any way antithetical or, um, not getting on with, you know, religion. Mm -hmm. So in in fact, they see the two things as completely combined. So it's like for them, a lot of, a lot of Mm -hmm. time, if you're doing scholarly inquiry, if you're doing like science, if you're, if you're sitting down, like doing some astronomy, one of the things that you're doing is you're doing it because what you want to do is explicate the divine. So you're saying, mm-hmm. okay, like, well, mm-hmm. it, uh, when I get really good at geometry, it's going to help me better understand the way that the world is organized by like a specific divine, you know, element. We, you know, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about, you know, Allah or we're talking mm-hmm. about the Christian God or, or what so have you. So they don't see themselves as, you know, having to, having to divorce themselves from the spiritual mm-hmm. or the religious mm-hmm. in order to further, you know, the world. And, and indeed they didn't have to, you know, there was plenty right. of, you know, like lots of great, you know, uh, intellectual stuff happens within the medieval period. And, you know, they were Christian or Muslim or whatever the whole time. And funnily enough, it continued to work and it was absolutely fine. The mm-hmm. conception of atheism really does kind of seem to be more tied to, for example, um, you know, the enlightenment, and, you know, this is like a big, it's like a big poncy thing to like pull out at, at like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the salon. You're like, well, I'm an atheist. What do you think about that, everybody? I'm very fancy. And then the whole room swoons whoa, 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 whoa. and everybody hits a fainting yeah, couch exactly. and you're like, ah, I got you. Ah. Exactly. And so like. Now that, what? <laughs> and that's not to say that there might, there might have been people who just didn't care that much, you know. 
Or, and there mm-hmm, might have been mm-hmm. people who didn't believe it, but we don't really have a lot of sources to indicate yeah. that much. Because, I mean, if mm-hmm. you're in you, you pretty religious societies, you wouldn't go around writing that down either. Because, like, it might yeah. cause trouble. It's a good way to get persecuted. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not like, a, it's like, a dear everybody, I would love to be persecuted. Can you help me out with that? Like, mm-hmm. no one, no one wants that. So, you know, yeah. there is, you know, this, a barrier to us really knowing anything mm-hmm. about that. But also, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just not how things were done. They just didn't yeah. think that way. And they didn't see themselves as needing to think that way. So they didn't. And like, that's kind of, well, yeah. you know. It's really hard to yeah. find, it's it's not to say that they weren't necessarily there, but it's also, for example, really difficult to find atheists in the Roman world or like the Hellenistic world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, I was obviously being facetious when I let in. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that there were very, I don't think that there were very many, if any atheists, just because they didn't conceive of things you know, like that. And, and it's like Eleanor was saying, a lot of the atheism that exists now is just another form of, oh, what's the right word? Um, replacing church, replacing the church with another, with another, oh God, yeah. uh, like, with another type of thing. I'll, I'll tell yeah, you what, um, like Richard Dawkins <laughs> at all have so much to answer for. It's just like, it is, it's, it's, it is its own religion. It's just like, all they want to do is like sit around and like, explain to everyone how much loftier they are than anyone else. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're so yeah. annoying. And this is not actually entertaining at all or interesting. Like, come on. You know, like I'm yeah. not, I'm not One saying the... you have to have a religion. That's not my point at all. But also like, you could also shut up about the fact that <laughs> you don't like at any moment. Yeah. Please feel free. Yeah. So, well, you know, one of the most deflating things for me is, you know, like, because when I was a kid, I, I, um, I, I knew from an early age that I didn't really believe in God or whatever. And so when I got older, I was finally brave enough to, to, to take that step away. And I was like, yes, I've finally done this. I've finally done this. And I, and you know, if you go to read books on this stuff, the books that you find are from Richard Dawkins and, and Christopher Hitchens. And so like, I'm, I, I read a couple of these books and I'm like, yes, this is giving me the ammo I need to leave religion and to feel like it's okay to do so. And to feel like I'm not, and, and to not fear that I'm going to spend the rest of my life in hell. And then you do that and you immediately realize that Christopher Hitchens is, is a torture apologist who got himself fucking waterboarded to prove it wasn't that big of a deal, nearly died, and then was still like, yeah, it's fine. Torture's fine. And then Dawkins is like, God. Ugh. God, Just, <laughs> damn it. I can't. Jesus Christ. Like, and, and Dawkins is even funnier to me because he, like, he... uh defines this concept of the meme something that to us nowadays is like a baked in concept and uh a baked in concept of society and dawkins is just like yeah here it is but then at the same time like now he can't stop talking about how much he fucking hates uh muslims or women or whatever you know insert yeah (laughs) insert whatever group now and it's just like man what the fuck? Like, I don't, I'm definitely not big on hero worship, obviously, but like, even I was like, come I on, mean, man. It's just like, I, you know, I, I don't know what team I want to be on, but I sure as hell don't want to be on that team. Christ. Yeah. Know? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to be a new atheist. And I looked that up and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I am out. I am out. Absolutely not. This sucks. No. Like, <laughs> anyway. I mean, completely fine. Oh, yeah, that's what I would always say. It's like, completely fine to be an atheist. Love that. The, yeah. the minute I hear you are a new atheist, I'm going to be like, okay, the weird, 
dump it. <laughs> like, this is trash. Yeah, yeah. Let's, no, let's we're, go. we're out. Like, you know, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the one, so one of the ways that we've changed is that we have adopted this concept called atheism. And another of the ways that we've changed is that we're always smug about whatever religion or uh, religion substitute that we absolutely. have. Absolutely. It's just a religious substitute exactly. that you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, it's, it's just. No, it's not. It's ah, NutraSweet, no, you know, like it's just. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, for people who turn into that, that's all like, I mean, and, and believe me, I completely understand why people are looking for the community that they find. Mm that you find in religion. And I also understand why they, uh, you know, think that those religions, uh, you know, aren't, uh, aren't the truth or the one way or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, um, how do I say this? You're not, you're just making a new religion with more steps. I feel that. I feel it. Yes. (sighs) The whole point was that I don't want to have. I don't want to do that. Fucking, I don't want to do it. I don't want to have. I don't want to have incense. I don't want to have this shit. I just want to smoke weed and not feel like I'm going to hell. <laughs> and why are you people trying to get me involved in? All this? Oh, mate, real talk, real talk. That's all. Exactly. Oh. Uh, exactly. Well, I mean, on that, I think we can kind of uh, wrap up our medieval comparative religion uh, um, episode because I mean I think we've covered. You know, that's, that's That's everything about medieval religion. Nothing else. We're good. Nothing else. ever. No, that was it. That was the whole thing. You don't, you don't need to have like a year long (laughs) class about this. You could just listen to this this one hour thing. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And we definitely aren't going to get like comments next time. Like, why didn't you talk about this part? You're like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I guess we could do a 15 part thing and look, look, you know, (laughs) because we're tired. All right. That's yes, the answer. Yes. Basically, if we didn't cover it, it's because we're tired. That's all. <laughs> I need to know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, again, thank you so much for listening to uh, We're Not So Different. And uh, Eleanor, can you uh, can you tell the people where to find your, your good your good content? My good content is at going-medieval.com for uh, longer form bloggy stuff. Uh, if you want to see me dunk on people that I'm not being nice to, unlike you. Who yeah. I'll be nice to. Uh, <laughs> then you can follow me on Twitter at Going Medieval, capital G, capital M. All right, there you go. And uh, again, my name is Luke. You can find me on Twitter at Luke is Amazing, or you can find my other uh, my other podcast, uh, People's History of the Old Republic, at Photorpod uh, on Twitter, or. Um, you can find it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, but again, thank you so much for listening to We're Not So Different. Please uh, take the time to uh, like and subscribe to the show on Twitter, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, please feel free to leave us a review if you can. If you have questions about the show, please write us and we'll answer them. Uh, you know, we'd love to do like a question and answer show or yes. any specific stuff uh, to hear what you guys want to hear. We would love that uh, because... Otherwise, you're just going to get things that interest uh, me and Eleanor. And uh, yeah, that's. Uh, oh, you're going to have to know, hear that, about so many checks if you just leave us. So many There are going to be so many of checks. So you better write to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you can find us. Uh, and uh, we. we um, we we fixed uh we fixed the email uh address because it was way different than everything else uh so you can find us uh you can email us at wnsdpod at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at wnsdpod 
Um, other than that, thank you again so much for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.